0: Good, Good morning, morning campers. campers. Today's activities will include a split, jumping in the midair.
1: Lunch today will be <laughs> Jack Daniels.
0: And to the end of the night, we will be running with the devil.
1: So put on your sunscreen, bug spray, and camp uniform as we dive into Van Halen and David Lee Roth.
0: Marishka Hargate, Sarah.
1: Marishka Hargate, Sam.
0: And Marishka Hargate,
1: hello
2: i love that intro i i'm really really (laughs) ready for the david lee roth camp
0: Um, oh yeah i've been ready my whole life it's it's gonna get wild uh i am your camp counselor sam an ex-pro wrestler in training and current drag wrestler manager
1: I'm camp counselor Sarah, an uncomfortably sexualized teacher, and we're here to ask, is it camp? We're diving into popular culture of all kinds to loosely identify what makes something camp.
0: We are not here to be the definitive experts on it, but rather just talk about this overlooked and frankly queer subgenre, Van Halen and David Lee Roth, and our special guest star, Ilana Levin. Hello. Hooray.
1: Oh, we are so excited to have you on the show. Oh
0: yeah, <laughs> we we have been talking back and forth over text for quite a while, being like, "Have you read this thing that she just put out?" Oh my god, the, what what was the one that I sent you first? It was the um, what what was the cover? Oh oh, it was the David Bowie and uh, Mick Jagger it's cover of Dancing Street. in the yeah. Street. Yeah yeah. I just uh,
1: had
0: for an some essay. reason,
1: I know that video yeah. like backwards and forwards and I was, and I've never seen it from a camp lens and all of a sudden I was like yeah okay now I see it that's the thing it's killing me right it's
2: camp but it's it's also not hot and therefore kind of embarrassing like basically like the orientation is um there's a music essay it's funny this music essay writing competition comes up twice in this introduction um uh there's a music essay writing competition that goes on different themes every year and um this year was about uh, March Faxness, which is dedicated to cover songs. And I wanted to write about why all the covers of Dancing in the Streets are bad. Um, and of course, that kicked off with the famous Bowie and Mick Jagger cover. And, you know, those are like two of my favorite artists in the whole world. And yet somehow together, what they've produced is a really bad cover of a wonderful song. Um, and, the, <laughs> and then the essay, which connects back to this, is also one that I wrote. Uh, For the same competition, but I guess I should do an introduction of like who who I am before I go into this, but um, for sure So uh, I'm the host of the podcast graphic policy radio where comics and politics meet and we are a show that looks at the intersection of comics comics adjacent media like shows like peacemaker and you know young justice and stuff like that and social change political movements and all that and uh, a lot of our guests are folks who, like myself, uh, work in progressive organizations, uh, political campaigns, labor unions, and the like, as well as critics, especially queer folks. And um, we uh, and I also interview comics writers and artists. And I have a side podcast called Deep Space Dive, where we talk with uh, experts on different policy areas and stuff like that. Space nine. But the one thing that I'm not on any podcast to do is music. So at some point this winter, I was like, somebody please invite me on your music podcast. (laughs) And you guys were like, you could come on ours. It's not about music always, but we talk about music sometimes. And I'm like, good enough. What's your podcast? And then you guys told me it was about determining if things are camp. And I'm like, dude, I literally wrote a giant ass essay (laughs) about why David Lee Roth is camp. So I could talk about music and it's completely on theme for your show.
0: <laughs> we are nothing if not consistent.
2: Exactly. And this was an essay that I wrote for a competition called March Badness where people were competing over votes for the best bad song. And of course I hold forth that David Lee Roth's cover of California girls is actually not bad, uh, but it is camp. And I sort of spell out why it's not bad, et cetera. Um, so yeah, here we are today.
0: Yeah, no, I, uh, doing the research for this episode, the, the watching of the music videos and getting to California Girls, I'm like, I know this song. This is good. This is <laughs> a really good cover. I mean, granted, some of the stuff in the music video, not great, but, um, just, oh, uh, just, uh, We'll we'll get to it when we go start going through all of them, of course. But um what we also want to know is your individual background with Van Halen and David Lee Roth. Like where did you mm-hmm. where did it come to you in your life?
2: So it feels like strangely important to tell you exactly how old I am. Um <laughs> I am 41. And so when I was coming at the age where folks started starting to first really get into their own taste of music independent of their parents um, and this is you know in this is back in the age where like people had walk and stuff like that mm-hmm. so like you didn't you didn't need your parents to listen to music but you did need your parents to take you to the store to get music yes. <laughs> you know so it's about like 1990 1991 and that is right when the album uh, that was one of the Van Halen albums after David Lee Roth left the band um, called F-U-C-K, for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, came out. And uh, it was kind of everywhere. And one of my best friends at the time um, was a drummer. And as a drummer, he was a huge fan of Van Halen because Alex Van Halen, the drummer for Van Halen, is like, cause, you know, he's a, he's a premier drummer, considered one of the great rock drummers. And so my friend was like, You should listen to this. And I listened to this and I didn't like it at all. And <laughs> I was like, This sounds really kind of overproduced, it's too polished feels a little bit modern i only like 60s music which was like Mm -hmm. really kind of true in that moment i was like this sounds nothing like jefferson airplane so i think we should just move right along (laughs) so it didn't speak to me at all because i was a hippie and i actually realized that i i didn't even revisit that particular album until we were preparing for this podcast because i thought that might come up let's see what i think about it and upon listening to that album now i'm still like okay, I actually kind of like it, but I totally get why I didn't like it back then. (laughs) Um, So fast forward, you know, I spent most of my teen years, first I was a hippie, and then like, I was really into ska, and and then I was a goth, and in all of these incantations of myself and my identity, none of these identities gave like thought fondly on Van Halen or David Lee Roth in the slightest. They were like campy and dumb and like cock rock and embarrassing and like Why would I want anything to do with that? They're for knuckle draggers, you know? Like that was my whole Mm -hmm. perception. And of course, if I was a few years older than I am, I think I would have had a different relationship because it would have been like ubiquitous and good sort of in the way that like if you're my age you're like nirvana is ubiquitous and everyone kind of likes it like I feel like it would have kind of been like that for me had I been a little bit older but in my my, but I was right at the time where it was that that whole thing was sort of falling apart and people were like actually nirvana is what good music's supposed to sound like guys um so I didn't really get into DLR and Van Halen until I was an adult and ironically I got into David Lee Roth's solo music first um and I got really? into it because, it, I, I know, I know, like literally this is not a normal journey. And <laughs> I got into it because it was campy. Mm-hmm. So my, yeah. my uh, then boyfriend, now husband, is like really into metal. Like metal is his life. Metal is everything. And most of the metal he listens to is not the sort of metal that gets played on VH1 Metal Mania. However, sometimes late at night, you're at home, you're chilling, and you're like, let's watch VH1 Metal Mania. And so we would, and we would watch the compilations of various classic 80s and 90s metal videos that would come on. And it was like one of our late night activities. And just sometimes you'd suddenly get this crazy video. So I'm watching this video. It features someone street harassing the Statue of Liberty. As you are
0: wont to do. Um,
2: I know uh, a guy. The, the singer is in a lycra unitard that's also a thong, and it's also over like some Lisa Frank patterned rainbow lycra pants. Um, there's like a, a guy playing a guitar with like three necks or something, and he's like holding it like it's his dick, and he's like playing right into the camera. Yeah. And one moment, yeah. Like. Dave, he does like a roundhouse kick that bursts open a giant balloon and inside of the balloon there's more balloons balloon. and everything just sort of keeps coming and it's like layer on layer and I'm like, this is the most insane thing I've ever seen. I, I think I like it. I think I like it. This is campy. This is like terrible. No, no, this is wonderful. Like it's all of that like thought process of like, is this bad? It's good. No, it's just good. It's just over the top. And, and that was and the David, David Lee Roth trying, video. You're,
1: you're like, you're trying to pick out, like, did they know what they were doing? Did they try to make this, or mm-hmm. yeah?
2: And um, and that's the David Lee Roth Yankee Rose video. And uh, as someone who's become sort of a student of David Lee Roth, I, I think the answer is yes, he does know. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that he, I mean, certainly one of the reasons why he appeals to me, but like. I think it's one of the things that makes him kind of unique in a lot of ways. Um, so, you know, I got into that. I got into the David Lee Roth music before I got into Van Halen's own music. And I don't, I don't actually even remember when I first started appreciating Van Halen's music themselves. I think at a certain point, it was just like, Ilana, you play David Lee Roth's solo albums a lot. Why don't you do the thing that people with good taste in music do and listen to the Van Halen albums that were considered, you know, really pivotal landmark albums in the history of hard rock and roll. So for those for those who don't know, um, you know Van Halen. There, there's a really wonderful book called Van Halen Rising, which basically postulates that they are the the party band that saved hard rock and heavy metal um, from from a, from obscurity. Basically, um, they're you know like in the in the very very early sixties, you had folks like Black Sabbath coming out, inventing the genre, mm-hmm. really. Like just making something new that hadn't been there before and after a while the energy behind that sort of fizzles and there wasn't really an american metal movement that with was really with any steam in it and um you know in 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 starting playing together in like i don't know what was it like 74 van halen start the band comes together they're playing like bar mitzvahs, quinceañeras, like everybody's backyard parties in California. They, they work their way up to the clubs. They're very young when they're doing these house parties. And um, they, you know, the, the band of the combination of like, like basically three musical geniuses and one guy who sings better backup vocals than most other bass players. Like that's sort of a <laughs> breakdown of Van Halen. You have like Alex Van Halen is considered a genius drummer, Eddie Van Halen, who the guitarist who recently died and is kind of the reason why people have been talking about Van Halen more lately is because, you know, whenever somebody of greatness dies, everybody decides now they're going to come and talk about them. And Eddie yeah. revolutionized guitar playing technique. He like, Developed finger picking technique that just literally nobody done before, and they used to he used to do it like fifth is back facing the audience so people couldn't steal the technique like it it, it broke people's Oh brains. wow! He was, was like a mad scientist developing new things. So you have these super, and they were basically prodigies. You have this two prodigies.
1: That's insane because I knew that Eddie Van Halen was supposed to be an incredible guitar player, but I didn't know his brother was also that for drumming.
2: Well, his brother wasn't this huge innovator like he was, but his brother is like just top tier, like you know, extremely great. Mm -hmm. former but not like a reinventing the instrument kind of guy does that make sense to
0: have to have two guys come out of the same family Mm -hmm. at that time and form a band and and both be just like mavericks in their chosen instrument Mm -hmm. that's wild
2: and their parent well their dad was a musician a classical musician um and um who they you know um from like like you know Denmark and they were of like part singaporean part like i want to say part yeah part i think it was
0: yeah and i know G- people like people
2: never people never talked about that in the 80s like <laughs> ne- people in the 80s never talked about like the two like big like rock gods of the 80s are like actually asian american <laughs> like nobody <laughs> talked about that wow. but um you know so yeah like they're both they're both geniuses they meet david lee roth who's just this like insane bomb of charisma and, and talent and then they're auditioning for, for bass players, and they, they make a decision that's the kind of decision that a lot of bands wouldn't make, and it was completely the right decision, and I think shows their intelligence, which is their auditioning bassists, and there's like two bassists that are both equally good, and they're like, you know, these bassists are both good, let's get the guy who's really good at backup vocals, and that's how mm-hmm. they ended up with yeah that's how they ended up with Michael Anthony their bass player and it's like it's true like the fact that they have a bass player who can do a good backup vocal helps kick things to the next level you know <laughs>
0: so. I, I i will say that like my my own personal experience with van halen is I I know as a kid, as a teenager, I was very in my ways about music. Like, I like what I like, and everything else that I don't like is garbage. And that being, hey, I'm (laughs) I'm, I'm a queer kid, but I don't know it yet. So, Uh, yeah, I love me some pop music, and uh, I'll just stick to classical, because nobody can really make fun of the intellectual classical stuff, right? Oh, wow. wow poo-poo this, this garbage. I, I don't like any hair metal. I don't like any metal. And my brother was a big music. My brother's this musical pl- polyglot. You can give him an instrument. He'll go away with it for a couple of weeks and come back and just like, I've learned how to play this just by fucking around, right? So he, he had his fingers in all kinds of music and still does, right? Where he's like, I love folk. I love punk. I love rock. I love hair metal. I love all everything all over the place and I know he did listen to some of this and Mm. I just just like no no this isn't for me because I'm the intellectual of the family and I'm above this (laughs) and I gotta say now in my later years of 34 god I'm old uh, (laughs) I'm 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 listening to this and I'm going holy shit this is great the 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 chorus parts the harmonizing that these guys pull off, ah, uh, it 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 hits a part of my brain that I'm like, why didn't you like this before, you idiot?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is extreme. for people haven't listened. This is some of the most popular rock music of its era, and partially that's because it's extremely accessible. And so mm-hmm. you're like, I don't know, I don't like hard rock. It's like, well, this isn't really that hard. It's extremely mm-hmm. melodic. It's extremely accessible, and like everybody, list every. It was like ubiquitous. Okay, I
1: I'm not I'm not a person who knows a lot about music, and I was mm-hmm. listening to it and people saying like, you know, this innovates hard rock, and I was like, this is hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. It, it's um I think part of
1: people. Th- describing
2: it that way is that the scene that kind of came out of them became mm. m- like a metal scene um mm-hmm. and they obviously were hugely influenced by by metal I mean prior to David joining the band they were basically just playing Black Sabbath covers mm-hmm. but um you know what is heavy changes through time you know uh, like it becomes more and more extreme um but in some ways like they're, yeah, they're extremely poppy and melodic. And it was more like they had this huge influence on heavier music that came mm-hmm. after them.
0: I mean, they, they made Jump. And if that's yes. that, that is a pop, 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 poppy, pop, pop. So it's it's the kind of song that up here in, in Toronto, we have uh, Q107, which is classic rock. And mm-hmm. then we have CHFI, which is easily listening. And Jump is on both of those stations.
2: Right, right, right. Well, the thing is, at the time, <laughs> Like, the hard rock fans really didn't like Jump because they didn't like that whole album. 1984 was, like, the biggest selling Van Halen album. Mm-hmm. But they mm-hmm. the, their, their traditional fans were, like, there's synthesizers, there's piano. We didn't buy Van Halen to listen to a guy play synthesizers. And it's not my favorite Van Halen album, but it's still great. Like, they're all great. Mm-hmm. I don't play it as much as I play Van Halen 1 or 2, but it's still great. Mm-hmm. But no, it definitely it, is an it, album that went for more of a pop feel. But of course, like you have this like dude bro fan base that because something is pop is just going to reject it on automatically, which is, not, you know, whereas they should reject it for the reasons I do, which are legit reasons. <laughs> you know, just kidding. No, I like it. It's just not my favorite album. But yeah.
0: I mean, what what we've kind of come to on this is you like what you like. And it's totally cool if you don't. Right. Mm-hmm. It's certain things just connect. I don't know why all of a sudden I've had Panama stuck in my head for the last week. Oh, wait. That's me. That's why you... Yeah. It's because it's a dope song with a great hook. Mm
2: -hmm. That will never leave your head. Panama will never leave your head. It doesn't even make... It's about a car, but it's about a girl, Mm -hmm. and it's not about Panama, the country, and it will literally never leave your head now.
1: I always thought (laughs) that song was about uh, the country, and yet there was a... A radio station that i used to listen to when i worked in a bakery and they had a you know when they have like the jocks play as ads throughout and they had one bit about somebody like can you play that song canada canada and they like the and they would play that i don't know it felt like 15 times a shift that sounds <laughs> very tiring i'm so sorry yeah. <laughs>
0: No, it's it's been a it's been a wild ride, and I'm very thankful that you gave us this list to go through, because mm. uh, what we had just done before this was Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, Ooh. and mm. if you want to talk earworms, oh, oh my yeah. god. <laughs> so. I just want to
2: show, I mentioned that that song just the other day because one of the only times that I was properly cross-cast in a play was in a summer theater performance of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat where I got to play Jacob with like a big hilarious beard glued <laughs> on because I'm a singer and I'm a tenor and so that means that like nothing is actually written for someone who looks like me, but sounds like me to play is like not mm-hmm. a thing. And mm-hmm. I was always just like, you should just cast the in roles written for dudes, hello. And then they just wouldn't. I'm like, none of this is, there's no verisimilitude in any of this. Please just <laughs> let me play Tony in West Side Story. What the fuck? <laughs> um, but uh, I did get to play Jacob and and I I I, I sort of remember that song still. So I'm looking forward to out that essay. I haven't thought about that musical much in a long time. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. No, it, it was uh, it was a wild time going through that one of, you know, uh, and we can understand why you got the role of Jacob, considering there's no women, basically. <laughs> in it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and but, it, but I get my point being, if there were, I wouldn't sing their parts anyway. Like, I have a deep voice, yeah. you know, and actually, mm-hmm. that's also one of the other things that drew me to Van Halen is. Dave can definitely do plenty of things with his voice that I cannot on account of him being like an epic famous singer. But there's a lot of songs that he does that I can totally sing the hell out of. And I enjoy that. So points points for that for me. So,
0: yeah, there was this point w- through watching the music videos where I was like, this guy is very clearly in control. 100 percent of the time that he's he is doing this because he is moving he's spinning but his vocals aren't wavering he's not gasping for breath i mean in the in the live one that you you uh sent yeah. us as well and like oh he is a professional when mm-hmm. he's doing this he is in incredible shape on yeah. top of everything and yeah. that's that's not the image that comes to mind when we think of you know uh, huge rockers it's always oh yeah sex drugs rock and roll and then they slowly become these schlumpy over slightly overweight guys and here's david lee roth you know with clothes plastered to his body showing off every inch possible and he is he's doing high kicks he's doing yep. backflips It's wild,
2: and like for those who haven't tried it, singing while dancing at all is hard. Singing while dancing athletically is incredibly hard, and like I have no idea how anybody does any of these things. In fact, when you look at live performance footage of popular artists working today, and I know this as a fact because my brother works in the industry, they're all just singing along to recordings of themselves, with the exception of Miley Cyrus. And the reason why Miley Cyrus sounds a little bit breathless in her live shows is cause she's actually performing unlike everybody else. Um, mm-hmm. And um, the kids these days don't appreciate that. Like, I feel so bad. My brother was like, uh, my, my brother's a live recording audio engineer and he also does studio work. But he was like, they, he, they'd been to something with Miley and he was talking to like the, the door guy and saying like, so what did you think of the Miley show? And the guy's like, I don't know. I mean, she sounded a little bit weird not quite like the albums. And my brother's like, yeah, she's performing live. Uh, because, like, yeah, but Get like out of breath like, He's like, but that's uh, Never mind Again, like <laughs> she's not completely, The fact that she that She can still completely do it It's just not like With the same level of exact perfection As one can in a recording And that's true for any artist But mm-hmm. what Dave can get away with live is, And the th- I can also see the things that he's simplifying to make it work when I better on stage, but it's still just like, this is an athlete, you know, he mm-hmm. was, uh, he trained in martial arts, like forever. Of course he was a theater kid. Has there ever been a more obvious theater kid in, in <laughs> no. hard rock or heavy metal? <laughs> Only Alice Cooper, like nobody else. You know? Um, and like, and you know, it was just, uh, the, and the level of perfectionism that he had for his performing. Um, an anecdote that I got when I was working on my essay was, uh, he said his first, my first performance was my bar mitzvah, and he uh, he said that um, his uh, bar mitzvah tutor was a Holocaust survivor and used to say stuff like, "David, if you can't do it for yourself, do it for those who went up to the, to the gas chambers with a song in their heart." And I'm just like, my grandparents were Holocaust survivors, and I'm just like mm-hmm. experiencing every moment of this. Like, yeah, no, that that uh, level of dedication, guilt trip, and perfectionism all sounds very <laughs> relatable. I know this sounds, on the one level, they're like, this is completely absurd. And on another level, you're like, yeah, and yet so real. Um, (laughs) So, you know, you got to nail that performance on account of the genocide. This is how life is, guys. Okay.
1: So, yeah. yeah. And he did it. He did. Yeah. If you want something that goes that hard, he's doing it. I took so many notes on, like, this is my guide to, like, being self-confident in my body is David Lee Roth. Anytime I'm going out for the night, I'm just going to play a bunch of David Lee Roth videos and be like, see, you just need to feel like this.
2: Uh, I, he is all about the, like, self-confidence, sex appeal, charisma thing. And, like, I, it's really huge that I don't know that I quite pieced together, again, until I was an adult, was, like, this is a Jewish guy. and. Mm-hmm. A Ton of there's been always been a ton of Jewish like different rock stars with various levels of stage namedness. This is yeah. not a stage, like this is a very Jewish name. This is not a stage name. This is not a guy who's trying like trying to avoid looking Jewish. Like, and he's also just like, I will be full sex symbol to you at all times. I do not believe in shirts, and I'm only gonna wear lycra. And like I'm gonna mess with my hair and like make eyes of the camera. And I think part of the reason why I I just don't necessarily see that many, I don't know, if there's a gap, it's like he's so camp when he's doing it. And I think that sometimes makes straight men uncomfortable now. And then I think that they were so unaware of gayness that they like didn't face them. They're like, this is just what people do. And now they're like, that seems a little gay. I'm like, you're all very weak-willed. Um, <laughs> Cause he's totally just like, I will make eye contact with every single one of you. Um, and I'm gonna pre- I'm gonna like play with my hair and like look at you and then like crawl around. It's 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 um like people definitely will talk about him as being one of the great front men of rock and roll music. And it it's 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 absolutely true. That's it. It's obvious.
0: Know? It's just mm-hmm. just even getting through that first music video you sent, I was like, oh, I I get this. I I get exactly who this man is, I understand what he's about, and he is the quintessential rocker, right? He's here for a good mm-hmm. time. He wants you to have a great time. And he wants everybody to just feel great about the experience that you're about to have.
2: Yeah. 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 And um, you know, he, 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 he's, he's a great, he's a great quote machine. Um, He says something like, I've, I was sexually inappropriate with an entire generation, you know, <laughs> like this was, party music for, you know, anybody who was coming of age in the late 70s and early 80s. Uh, like, I, I don't think I can emphasize like the ubiquity that this music had in the rock and roll market um, for people of all of, you know, a whole range of genders. Like this was not like I think people, one of the things that's actually crazy about the way rock gets talked about now is it feels like we're still in this place where it's just assumed that like rock is for guys. Like we've gone full around full circle from it being like everybody with good taste has to like rock music to being actually, no, it's perfectly okay to not like rock music. Don't let your boyfriend tell you that you have to like rock music. You don't have to, you can listen to Britney or whatever the fuck. And then now it's at the point where like women don't have to listen to that. And then it's like, but like they can motherfucker. They certainly can. (laughs) Um, And it feels sort of like, you know, there was, and this is a, this was a whole big thing. Like so much of this had a huge female fan base, and women were extremely nerdy about it too.
1: So, yeah,
0: That's I the, mean,
1: I'm, I'm watching Sam, and so when I was a teenager, my brother was learning guitar. He's not quite a, a virtuoso or a polyglot, but he became like a guitar guy. And you mm-hmm. know, he liked my magazines, and he would tell me about how great Ingvar Malmsteen was. So I was like, that is <laughs> my brother's music. Except for just Gigolo because I'm like, well, this is funny. This I what, like. Sorry, what was it you liked? Say it again. Just a gigolo by David Lee Roth. Oh, you liked so you grew up liking just the Gigolo. Oh
2: my god, oh. I love it. David Lee Roth I knew, yeah. That's so interesting. That music video is like they wanted to do like a TV series about it. It's that video. Great. Yeah.
1: Sam, I was thinking about sending it to you. It's like him crashing other music videos. So, like, there's a Michael Jackson lookalike, there's a Billy Idol, there's a Cindy Lauper. It's great.
0: Wow. It I was mean... a setup of
2: MTV. It was called Dave TV. I mean, another important piece about Van Halen is like their and David Lee Roth solo work. They they came in like. they the first couple of Van Allen albums predate MTV, but the second half of them were all like made for MTV and their videos were iconic and they kind of blew up along with MTV. And Mm so satirizing the MTV music video style is, you know, once David Lee Roth is doing his solo work makes a ton of sense because like he's part of what made that channel,
1: you know? Um, Mm -hmm. That was the thing with the early videos that I was watching. I was like, I'm not quite sure where they land in the timeline because these don't feel like what music videos would come to be these are just basically shooting them recording or not recording playing the song yeah yeah
2: i mean you know and and then they saw the switch over because they went to you know from this to like the hot for teacher video which is a little movie with like probably two different cinematographers working on it and like a black and whites in you know sections and like high concept to up the wazoo it's interesting because they're a band that doesn't need that to sell a song right no but when you can have it, why not? Uh, and the videos that, that David made after the he split from the band are just even campier than the Van Halen ones, you know? I mean, I I, I never hear, like, rock nerds reminiscing fondly about David Lee Roth's solo work, like, ever. Van Halen, you do, because, like, nobody can deny, like, Eddie Van Halen reinvented the guitar. Like, that's a, a thing. But, like, David Lee Roth's music videos, which are so... Campy and oh, like that, there's no other way to describe them. They're so campy, like it just doesn't speak to the rock snob, and so nobody talks
1: about it anymore. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. It, you, it, yeah,
1: you can't really sort of like this. It's kind of like, like mm. you this doing the David Lee Roth yourself, where you're like, Yeah, this is what I like, and you gotta take that, just like he's this is who I am, and you gotta take that. Um,
2: uh, when I I was interviewing the author of the Van Halen book I mentioned for the essay I wrote, and he was like, you know, I think that one of the things is that, um, the videos David Lee Roth was putting out in his solo work in the eighties, that's more like the videos that like someone like Tiffany is putting out than the Mm -hmm. other, than metal bands were. So he's like not even operating in the same milieu as the other rock artists. So people are just kind of like, they don't get it, you know? Mm -hmm. Cause he's like, he's doing a pop music video.
0: Basically yeah, there's there's the mental picture that we get from popular culture of what rock is supposed to be like. And those music videos are very clearly not in that, you know, like we, we've all seen TV shows and movies that make fun of rock stars. And that is not the way rock stars do it, right? right. You, you, you don't have wow, these giant fish-eye lenses and oh you know what I'm gonna show you know myself in a powder white tuxedo and kid gloves talking with to the audience
2: yeah yeah he, he loves Broadway stuff he's like you know like, he's a theater kid so they have like choreography and dancing and, like he mentions like the Nichols brothers the tap dance performers who are in stormy weather like in the 19th like in the 19th like oh, yeah I, I definitely see that he mentions them as a big inspiration of his like how many metal dudes or hard rock guys are like this is and these are my favorite tap dancers who inspire my performances <laughs> like that's not a thing that anybody else said so it's like i i feel like you know david lee roth music like this is for the gays like and it just breaks my heart that i think because of how it's packaged people who are queer assume that it's not for us when like Every single thing I've referenced him being into is extremely campy. So actually, I'm pretty sure it's actually for us.
0: Well, great that we're we're tackling him on this, this podcast to start that downward slide into now the gays have claimed David Lee Roth. That is correct. <laughs> that is correct.
1: <laughs> we have planted our flag hey oh yeah at some point i was texting sam while i was going through this and uh and he said shit's about to get real drag race real soon and that was right when it transitioned from van halen to uh david lee roth solo stuff (laughs)
2: that's (laughs) awesome yeah yeah he he actually there was a drag queen in the last van halen video that was david lee roth and the band playing together was a drag queen and we've we we nobody quite knows exactly why MTV refused to play the video, but some people think it's because of the drag queen, who mm-hmm. takes a physical like a wig reveal at the end. I'm I, I'm very it's a cover of Pretty Woman. It's I don't know, the video is like not not great, but it does involve David Lee Roth dressed as Napoleon, which is pretty cool. <laughs> and there is a drag queen.
1: So I don't know. Okay, because I was watching that and I couldn't understand what the reveal was at the end. Knowing she's a drag queen, that makes a lot more sense but i'm
0: like so it's just weird i mean it's again it's it's a fine cover it's not anything spectacular in terms of covers go but in terms of this video i'm sitting there just going like what's the idea here what's going (laughs) on we have we have one of these dudes dressed as a samurai we have one of them dressed as a gunslinger we have one of them dressed as a Tarzan, I will say Tarzan. He is dressing
2: dressing as a Tarzan, yes.
0: (laughs) And another one is Napoleon. And they're going to go rescue this woman. They do nothing, wig reveal. Like, they just show up (laughs) and (laughs) the conflict is over.
2: Because, look, once David Lee Roth shows up dressed as Napoleon in a limousine, your conflict is over. And all that (laughs) can be done at that point is a wig reveal. So... I, that, that's how that. That's how that. And that's why the band had to break up because once you've done that, you can't. You can't. Work yeah. Where
1: do you anymore. go from there?
2: You. Ha- that's when you have to hire Sammy Hagar to, to, you know, replace David Lee Roth and then go off on your solo career. That's what happens.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, clearly the the band was probably all right. David, this is the campus thing we'll ever do, and he said, "No, I got to go further into camp," and that's what exactly he left. Yeah.
2: exactly. No, I mean look. I The band, as soon as he leaves, the band is no longer campy in, like, any way that feels intentional to me. Like, there's stuff that sounds campy now because it's overproduced 90s music. Mm-hmm. Um, although, again, it's ex- all made by extremely talented people, including new singer Sammy Hagar, who is extremely talented. But it's not as fun because it's not camp anymore, you know? Um, I think, the like, it's just it loses something that makes it special and interesting when it goes from having a layer of
1: camp to just being really talented people doing things. That was the thing for Jamie's crying. I was really impressed by the producer. I was like, this is an astonishing, like rich sound. Like there are layers here that I can sort of float. Mm-hmm. through. Oh God. Thank
2: you. I really love that song. I'm, I love singing in karaoke and I love that song. And it's not, it's by like, there's really no, there's no such thing as a truly obscure Van Halen song, but it's not one that has like a, that has like a music video that everyone's seen or something like that, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, their first album, it took them a while to get signed. Kiss tried to get them signed and the label was like, I don't know. And, you know, it took a while to get them through. So they have been playing as a band together for quite some time. Um, you know, by the time they were actually finally in the studio and, and recording and, um, you know, like labels were not pouring muse money into guitar bands uh, in that moment. It was not it was not like they were just giving writing over big checks. Like I was listening to interviews with Faster Pussycat for an essay I'm working on for stuff around the show Peacemaker. And like, you know, they came in at the end of the era, and the labels were like, can I just give you a giant check and you can have all the money you want to do anything? Okay. Thanks guys. Like this wasn't that, this wasn't that period, but the studios did have more money for things than like, they seem to act with like new acts today. Like it's somewhere in between the two. It's somewhere in between the two.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But the producer's I, I, Ted
2: Templeton. I mean, so you go, you know.
0: And I mean, the yeah you keep referencing peacemaker of course and this is that is exactly what i was thinking of while while watching these music videos and thinking like oh yeah i'm i'm really getting it i I mean by the way huge fan of peacemaker at the moment i think it is it is so so good at what it's doing and the fact that its entire soundtrack is hair metal (laughs) <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 brilliant. Uh, I mean, the thing that came into my mind when watching these music videos was that line from the first episode of Peacemaker, where he says, "This th- these guys were real men. They weren't afraid to dress as women." Yeah. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> really, Sam? That resonated with you. <laughs> that resonated yep. with me. The the guy with the seven inch heels you can see right now from where he's sitting.
2: <laughs> yeah it's real it's real i i have as someone who like really became a teenager when the switch from like glam metal to grunge happened mm-hmm. in retrospect so much of the rejection of glam metal feels so homophobic which is really ironic because plenty of the artists making glam metal were actually homophobic despite completely stealing drag queen style um mm-hmm. these guys are not that however but um there's certainly plenty of other bands and artists who have who are i'm not saying these guys are these guys are not woke i'm not saying that but like these guys are like, totally <laughs> under. like they had drag queens in their videos they like, were, like we understand the milieu we're playing with um but uh you know it's like i think that a lot of the people coming in and saying actually music needs to be serious and how gay is it that you put time teasing in your hair that's so gay we're gonna be earnest now and have our hair look like shit and wear boring clothing and be boring i'm like i I don't actually think that's very liberated guys. (laughs) I don't know. Um, You know, I mean, that's,
0: that's how the, uh, the cycle of genre tends to work, right? You invent, you invent a genre and then everybody spends the first like five to 10 years figuring out, okay, what are the rules of this? What are the constraints of this? Right. And then somebody like David Lee Roth comes along and says, what if I push this as far as I can fucking go and see what happens? And that's when you start to get the people who walk in and say, well, no, actually, we're going to take it back five steps and say that it's this instead. And mm-hmm. it, it, it happens in movies. I mean, it, it happens in music. And this, this, I think, is a really good example of how a genre can evolve and change over time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The thing that's so shocking to me is to to watch these and yeah listening to the music i've you know i've heard the music before like in passing where i was listening to jamie's crying i was like i don't know this song and then the hook came on i was like oh i've heard this song a thousand times Mm. where uh i'm like i i can't believe that this was successful not because the music's not great which it is but because i'm going i feel like from even from a point of view today, I'm looking at David Lee Roth and I'm like, in, in the hot for teacher video, especially, where it's like, I feel like I should be almost embarrassed for this guy, like this mm-hmm. secondhand embarrassment, looking at him putting everything out there. But should I really be if this was, you know, the biggest hit of his life?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's 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 so big and performative and theatrical i completely committed to giving you the best show ever that it's like it's not even cool it cares too much to be cool you know
1: yeah and i'm like i'm like a musical theater geek and i never get Mm -hmm. why people are like oh i find it embarrassing to watch people sing in musical theater but this this i get
2: that's so interesting yeah yeah you know um and that music video is was one of the biggest music videos of MTV. Like, it's a video that made MTV, like, the network it was. Um, But, and, um, I don't know. I think, like, there is a certain amount of, like, I can't believe this is actually happening. This is so... Like, yeah. (laughs) Or in in a video for, like, Yankee Rose or something, and you're like, Steve Vai... Berkeley School of Music trained guitar genius Steve Vai is like, I am. I have like a guitar with like three necks and I'm playing it like it's my penis, directing it right at the camera right now. And you're like, this is, this is, this can't, you can't actually mean this. This has got to be not serious, right? He said like, the quiet part loud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The quiet part is loud in every, that's a great way to describe it. The quiet part is loud in every single part of every single thing that this, these guys have ever done in their lives. Um, and I mean, dude, David Lee Roth. I'll just like david in the, in the Yankee Rose video. David Lee Roth is literally wearing at one point like assless lycra pants with like a horse. Queen, is I'm like this was on like we know Prince went on TV with his ass hanging out, but I don't know. I don't. I don't think that I knew that like David Lee Roth also went on television with his ass hanging out. I was but not aware all- of
0: this fact. There's a difference between how Prince would do it versus how David Lee Absolutely. Roth would do it, right? Absolutely.
1: <laughs> I was thinking but about yes. Prince in comparison, too, and I'm like, I don't know why this feels, like, <sighs> raunchy. Or t- Maybe it's because David Lee Roth seems to be having more fun. I don't know. Like, Maybe this like, is just, like, my North American Puritan thing coming through.
0: Mm. Like, Prince is a Prince quiet is- confidence. Where yes. he's like, I, I know I'm sexy and you know I'm sexy and we're just going to enjoy this. David Lee Roth is loud in his confidence of yes. fuck yeah, I'm sexy, and you're going to enjoy this too.
2: Yeah, that's a great description. Yeah, I think that you've captured you that you captured really well why why they feel different.
0: It is the 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 prince David Lee Roth dichotomy, I guess. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. I probably am. I, and now you. We are, we are the three people who have come into loving the works of Van Halen and David Lee Roth through our appreciation of camp. This is not oh, the normal I, life journey, I'm go- I think.
0: I'm going to be at, I'm like, I'm adding these musics to my regular rotation mix of, yes. of songs. Because I'm just like, I get this. This is so good. This is such a cool, like, sing-along jam while you're in your car. Mm-hmm. It's
1: yeah i wrote a book for yankee rose it says like it feels like fireworks should be going off to this 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 music yeah. can only be amplified
2: or as he says now it's time for the national anthem and then there's guitar solo he literally says it's time for the national anthem and then there's guitar solo like what could possibly be better and i also like you know like as a new york jewish type person i'm like you know this 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 statue of liberty is like my preferred american iconography symbol because it's literally like was built to be like welcome to america immigrants like you come and like bring us your you know masses dying to breathe free to come to america like that's the kind of american symbol i like to see embraced you know so
0: and i mean that you like you said the this is a band that is made of immigrants and children of immigrants, right? Yeah. It's yeah. It's yeah. like th- this, this is the American ideal Van Halen.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, dream. Uh, yeah. Yeah. David Lee Roth also talks a lot about um, he, he, We used to have this thing in America called busing, which was part of helping to integrate the school system. And they would bring kids from one neighborhood to a different one so that schools wouldn't just be kids who who were all of one race. And David Mm -hmm. Lee Roth was in the busing program for his high school. And so he went to high school and he was like one of like five black guys. And he was like super excited about it because he'd never like he had just moved to LA from like the Midwest and was super excited to like be in a different culture with other people and like geek out about their music. Like his first band was an R and B band. And um, you know, like, and I, I just think it's interesting, like because so many people in America talk about their busing experience as like this terrible thing that was done to them. And like, Even if they don't want to admit that they're being racist, they're like, well, it really starts having to to have such a long commute to school. And he's like, no, this was the fucking coolest thing. I was really into this. Um, Yeah, I
1: only know it through, I listened to a piece about the Boston busing and how parents eventually shut it down because they were so upset about it. And yeah, this was, David Lee Roth was what was supposed to come out of it.
2: Yeah, I have literally like never heard anybody else talk about how wonderful it was to get bussed across the city to go to a school full of people who don't look like you, you know, mm-hmm. I'd like to feel like that would have been me, you know, but who the fuck knows, it's a, there's a specific time. Um, I mean,
0: I, I can attest to actually living, living that kind of experience. I lived in the Middle East for four years. And so oh, wow, I was like one of the only white kids in my class, or at least I was one of the only white boys in my class. And uh, being a little queer boy in the middle of a very masculine bravado kind of energy uh, for all the other boys, it was, uh, it was weird. It was real weird.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that, that, yeah, definitely, definitely would be, it would, um, hmm
0: yeah
1: so alana you were mentioning in your essay um and it's definitely something that we can see in the videos once he goes solo there's nobody to hold him back but what i'm wondering is were they actually holding him back were they saying no let's not do this um
2: that is in terms of like the music video styles i don't have any information about that i mean i know that the MTV decided not to play their video of Pretty Woman, but um, (laughs) I don't have, like, specific things I can, like, point to on that. Mm -hmm. All I can say is that once they split, David Lee Roth's videos are extremely campy and Van Halen's are not. Mm. You know what I mean? So, like, the the proof is just, like, we see this change. But um, I don't, there's no, the band has never, like, discussed it. One thing I can say that people don't, that, who are newer to Van Halen might not realize is that Eddie Van Halen synthesizers i think people might have assumed that the guitarist would be like yes synthesizers bring them more i want them but Mm -hmm. um he actually was like because it was interesting it was something new something they hadn't done before he was you know but um no i don't have any documented proof other than compare these videos to those videos
1: yes and it's something that you find whenever there's like new technology on the scene is every a lot of people are like who are I was talking about color grading in film with a friend the other day and how you Ah. see it in like late nineties music videos. And whenever there's something new on the scene, everybody's like, let's do all of this. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And you know, it's, it, it definitely lends something interesting, you know, to, to the sound. And, you know, these guys have been playing together for like a decade. I can understand why after a decade of being in a band, you're
1: like, I don't know, let's have some piano synths. That sounds exciting.
0: It Why made, not? Uh,
1: yeah. It makes jumps so exciting, right from the very start. You hear it and you're like, "Yeah!" Like wedding dance song, but it's a great wedding dance song.
2: <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome.
1: Um, you know, I also I want to
2: shout out. Um, they do a really wonderful cover of. The Kinks are one of my favorite bands, and the Kinks are a band that are re- people do really good covers of like their songs are some, some as I have written about in my essay on why people can't cover dancing in the streets. uh, Some, some bands are good at writing songs that are good at having other people put their spins on them. And I think the kinks do songs that are, that people do really good covers of. And um, Van Halen's covered two songs by the kinks, both like really well, which is, uh, and one of them is like, you really got me, which is like,
0: Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I, I, absolutely take the kinks version of you really got me now over any day of the week but the van halen cover is still good but i find the kinks cover of where have all the good times gone to be particularly interesting because um it it's much it's just a very very updated feeling on the song and it's a song that nobody ever cites like it just doesn't have the same I mean, Bowie covered it in in pinups, but I think that might have been like the only other cover of it. Like, it's I don't know. It's just more of a deep cut, so it feels like an interesting choice to me for them to go and and do that. Hmm. And um, it it really like is a perfect fit for their particular David Lee Roth and like um, and uh, the with with the backing vocals from Michael Anthony work really really nicely together on it. Um. So if you haven't checked that out yet, check it out. I mean, the thing is, like, it feels hard to call any Van Halen song, like, a deep cut, given how popular their albums are. But the reality is, when I find when I'm talking to people who are younger than me, they, have, they, don't, know, they don't know the band at all. It's, it's really interesting, because if you're older than me, they're so ubiquitous that, like, I would feel stupid even trying to explain them to, to somebody. To somebody who's, like, 55, like, why would I even try to explain Van Halen to you? This is, like, your blood. But it feels like to anybody younger than me, even in the slightest, they're like, who? And if it's not, I don't know, Jump or Hot for Teacher, they've probably not heard it. So I kind of feel like I have to sort of start from the beginning in some ways. But
0: I don't know. Yeah, yeah I was I was really surprised at just how many of these songs. I was like, oh, I have heard this. I, I remember the chorus to this song. And mm-hmm. it's like they were built to be so easily... Um. Oh, how to how earwormable, right? Like, yeah. There's the book. It's right inside of your brain, and now you've got this on a loop. You can and you can sit with it on that loop, and it feels great, right? At no point are you like, oh god, Panama again, really? <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, and I, I think to our detriment with things like uh our all our music streaming services the the thing that they usually push to the top isn't albums it's which of their singles has been listened to the most here you go here's here's the top single from van halen and that's what a lot of people will gravitate to immediately right it's what is everyone else listening to as opposed to let's just take the whole album on
2: yeah, that's strange for me because I've always been an album person. Because, um, yeah, like I, when I started listening to music, it was on tapes or CDs. And especially when it was tapes, you couldn't, skipping stuff on tapes was a fucking word. I mean, we also had records, but they were my parents' records, right? And I would only skip those because I was a small child and I would dance too aggressively to the records and then that would make them skip. But, um, but you know, like, but in, in the era of tapes, like skipping songs was just like, oh my God, you're just going to fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Is this the right moment? Uh
0: um, yeah, I, I remember listening to one Eurythmics album on tape a lot as a kid and desperately trying to find sweet dreams over hmm. and over <laughs> again.
2: Oh my god. I used to blo- I used to play tapes so much. I I I you know I learned how to fix them by taping them back together or ironing them back together when they broke. Like oh wow. I kept my tape collection until 2008 <laughs> or something when we had bed bugs. And then Frank was like, I am throwing out your tapes. I'm sorry. He's oh, no. oh. like, most oh. of these are bootlegs anyway, Ilana. So just, like... <laughs> I'm like, it's true. I didn't really buy that many. They're all taped off the thing, but you know, whatever. So, like, yeah, I kept my notes yeah. for a long time. But um, it really was a medium that made you listen to entire albums. You know, what's interesting is there, it's not like Van Halen doesn't have any concept albums at all, though. Like, it's not like they're a band that ever was like, we're going to write like songs around a particular theme, like, like, for example, like the kinks, the kinks, the concept albums, yeah. but, um, but they didn't do it, but they did have alb. And in any album, there's going to be some songs that are like going to be better than others, but I, I don't really know that they have any songs that I hit skip on. And that's pretty cool. Um, I think my favorite Van Halen albums, however, are, Van Halen those are the ones I probably play the most. Uh, But there's absolutely killer songs That I love with every inch of my heart And all other albums So
1: When you say this it's weird that we haven't gotten back To like a full album Culture Because you know we had CDs where it's much easier to just do Repeat, repeat, repeat And then we had the Mm -hmm. iPod But nowadays when everybody has like a playlist That they can listen to It's weird that we're not getting back to that
2: I I think a lot of artists aren't writing for albums And Mm -hmm. labels also don't they, they don't seem to understand drip promotion at all they're like we're just gonna release all the songs that we care about at once and then if they're not all popular we'll never invest in this artist ever again
1: goodbye yeah it's no. like when a new series comes out and everybody talks about it that weekend and if you want to come to it six months later it's a desert exactly it's so stupid
2: like look folks Do you, i don't know if you know this but appetite for destruction the guns and roses first album mm. famously one of like the perfect albums of rock and roll they were releasing singles off that album for like years and every single chart, every song they released on it charted and like seven songs from the album were released as singles. Like most bands aren't going to have a flawless album that have seven songs worth releasing. I would argue that literally every single song on Appetite could be released as a single. I know that that's not normal, but so many more songs would be getting released as singles than are if labels like would even just give it, the time to do that kind of old school drip promotion it's Mm -hmm. just very short-sighted to not do that
0: yeah i think the last album that i ever had that feeling for and i i I really distinctly remember having this was in university i finally bought uh jagged little pill and i was like i've Mm. heard all of these songs on the radio at some point and i was like but you never really hear that with an album anymore, right? You don't no. hear like the majority. It's always, well, which one's the banger? Let's get that out of the door.
2: And it kills me because, like, you get an album like the most recent Lizzo, like full on album. Mm-hmm. And oh. I'm looking at it right now. Like, I don't think there's any bad songs on on "Cause I Love You." Like, do do do, let me look. Confirming. <laughs> no, there's not a single bad song on it, and yet they're not. They're not. Pushing every song on it like they could, especially with an yeah. artist like her who does a great video. Um, yeah. You know, I, by the way, I... I like kind of notoriously dislike contemporary popular music, but Lizzo is amazing and I love her. There's like a handful so... of people who I love, and most stuff I think is pretty boring and not my thing. And look, I know the problem is me, you know, <laughs> like if everybody <laughs> likes something and you don't, and there's people of good taste, then like I get it, I'm old and like I have a certain aesthetic sensibility that was. Solidified in older music, and like Lizzo is referencing classic soul music a lot, and therefore, despite her being contemporary, I like it also. Um, but uh, you know, like they, they could be putting they could be putting juice, as it were, <laughs> between behind every song on this album. You know why not?
0: It's yeah, it's wild how I don't know it. it our brains are just all wired differently. Right. I am one of the firm believers of, I'm sure most bands have a great song that I would like, and I can easily add that to my list and enjoy. Uh, But. But there's also something to be said about those albums where you can go in and be like, Oh, all of these, all of these are hitting the happy button in my brain right now. And Mm -hmm. this is a, a perfect whole as opposed to, Uh, individual pieces that are just happened to be slapped onto the same disc.
2: One of the things that MTV and VH1 did that I think really destroyed people's understanding of popular music is when they started doing those hit shows there, they'd like, talk about, like, best of the 80s or whatever from the 70s. Oh yeah, All the fucking talking heads would refer to every other fucking band as a one-hit wonder. Oh, they had that one really good song. Yeah, whatever happened to them. It's like, dude, all of these bands had, like, 10 hits in England and are brilliant, and you just have the memory of a goldfish, and like, (laughs) five (laughs) seconds to look at what else they have. Like, if you call my boys Adam and the Ants one-hit wonders, the entire island of England might show up and punch you because like they literally <laughs> released comic books this band was so yes. popular they had comic yes. books about them
0: like come I had on. I had comic books I, 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 was, you born in Eng- I was born oh in England God. so right, like right. all all of these things were ingrained in me it's like so I get a lot of music from my parents we all do right I was raised mm-hmm. on disco and Garth Brooks for some bizarre reason with my mom I don't get that, <laughs> one. Um, right, right. but like a lot of English stuff too, where um over here Madness is known for our house. And I'm like, no, no, hold on. Madness has an amazing album that our house happens to be on. And you guys only know this one. Oh, well, it's the yep. only one that really came over here. And it's like, wow, you're missing, you're missing and, out. You're um, missing out.
2: Yep. Yep. And can I just talk about Madness for a second? Because Go I actually prefer Please one do. step beyond one step beyond is a better album.
0: Yes, like, yes, yes, yes. I, I mentioned to
2: you, right? Like, I had, I went, I, you know, I, I, was into, I was in the ska thing for a while. I was always into second wave more than third wave because it is the plague of my life that whatever is the thing that's happening during my life, I will always <laughs> like the earlier version of it. So, like, to be clear, I was around and active and went to shows during the height of third wave ska. I am that age. But the whole time I'm like, this is not as good as Second Wave. What's wrong with you people? Um, but yeah, yeah but, ma- but like Madness is a perfect example. I am so angry at anybody calling them a one hit wonder. I'm like, you are ignorant no,
0: as fuck. No, no. <laughs> oh, I, I had somebody try to school me on them once where I'm like, yeah, I like Madness. And he's just like, all right, well name another Madness song. And I'm like, you want me to name five? Cause I'll do it right here. <laughs> and- it's just like this, this, uh, no. So sometimes fans are just like, why do I have to prove anything to tell you that I just enjoy madness?
2: Yeah. It's douchey.
0: <laughs> <But> <laughs> also just
2: like, don't dismiss music because you don't know about music doesn't mean there isn't stuff. You know what I mean? That's the mm-hmm. dumb thing.
0: Like I'm, I'm so happy that you, you asked to do this, uh, on our show, because now, uh, it feels like suddenly a new pocket of my music has opened up, and I've got a new area to explore. Right? I can go into the the metal dungeon because I'd never really had a bridge thing to get me into it before, and now oh. here I am on the precipice of, oh, okay, let's try this. Let's let's go in and see what's what. What's going to tickle that uh, the the good chemicals in my brain.
2: Wow, well, I love getting people into metal, and the playlist I'm working on right now is the, for the uh, piece I'm doing on Peacemaker is definitely, like, it's all going to be, like, super accessible stuff. Uh, Perfect. Like, metal is one of my favorite genres of music, and there exists plenty of metal that is too heavy for me. Like, it encompasses a huge range of different styles and st- stuff, and it's interesting, because like I'll, li- I'll listen to stuff like... There's a ton of Black Sabbath stuff where, that I'm like, this should be on classic rock radio. There's literally no reason why my 70 year old parents wouldn't. One, these artists are the same age as my parents because they were they were they were they were coming in the same time. Just like like they grew up on the same Beatles stuff my parents did, you know. But they became bigger later. Um, but like none of this is that heavy. They're, this is just electric blues music, you know, with the you know minor pentonic tones all the time. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different, really wonderful, very accessible metal music, especially from the '80s. So,
0: I'm I am very excited to see this list that you come up with because I am going to immediately just go through things and go, oh yes, oh no.
2: Now the thing that I'm struggling with, and I appreciate folks' guidance on this, is um. <sighs> And this is like, I would, like when I sent you the music videos, I was like, yeah, there's some fucked up shit in one of these music videos. Yeah, for um, sure, for sure. <laughs> like, I, with the music, it's, it's also true as well. Like, there's, I, I was putting together, like for the Peacemaker uh, playlist, the second song um, I was going to put on, or the third song I was going to put on is... Uh, wild side by motley Crue, and like aside from the whole like motley Crue and their shit thing Mm -hmm. um like i realized like one of the one of the lyrics where it's like he's like reading off a list of like the terrible things that happen when you live on the wild side and he's like don't what does he say um don't uh i'm gonna butcher the lyrics but he basically like says murder and murder rape like murder comma rape doing time on the wild side like it's this is not an explicit descriptive like whatever thing but i'm like is just simply saying that word gonna make like ruin somebody's day like i don't i don't fucking know you know what i mean so it's like i i I, it's hard for me as a, or as a as a i mean as a particularly as an older person who like grew up listening to all kinds of shit i'm like to me that's nothing because he's not actually to me like he's not talking about rape and therefore this is not about rape and therefore i don't see why this wouldn't be a perfectly fine song to just put on a playlist i question I would question myself before putting on the song by Sweet. If I what if we don't fuck you, someone else will. That song, I might wow. not put on a playlist because that yeah. song is really fucking rapey.
1: Like, so, I, like I love "Give you know? Me Shelter," but I did not actually know ah. the lyrics. To the Chorus of "Give Me Shelter" for a long time, and I was like, "Do I actually want to sing along to those?" And that song is political. Like that's not even yeah. about
2: like this. Is not that that song is. Yeah, like that's literally not about like an individual person hurting an it's individual. It's literally person. just this the is words about war listed this off about, in the same
1: way as in yeah. the other song.
2: Yeah, it's it, you know, it's, it's an anti-war song. So you're like mm-hmm. is this okay on this gun? And the thing is I obviously I think it's perfectly okay to have art about any and all of these things. My mm-hmm. question and concern is when I'm bringing this to other people, like what are the things I need to do to make sure that I'm not about to drop something into people's laps that they're like I just can't deal with this right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, like it's it's uh it's different you know especially when i have certain expectations coming into certain genres of there being certain tropes or, or themes or styles that are going to be more likely to be in it uh, hmm. i mean plenty of people get street harassed in van halen songs like but you're also like oh yeah <laughs> it's it's very playfully non-threateningly street harassed but it's definitely like pe- w- people get whistled at and like why don't you come over here? Like it's 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 all throughout it, and like nothing doesn't scan to me in any way. But like I guess some people might not be comfortable with that,
1: you know? Absolutely. Um,
0: I mean, I, I know you had uh, given us the heads up for uh, one of the songs, saying I just skipped ahead like a minute and a half to get straight to the song. Yeah. Uh, and and avoid the really racist beginning of it, which took place in uh, the 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 bodega. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, looking at it, I was like, you know, I, I I want to know nothing. It has nothing to do with the rest of the music video.
2: Exactly. It's just <laughs> this weird setting. Hmm. Like he's trying to do it. Like like they're trying to. It's here's the thing. It's also campy. It's campy and yes. racist. And tons of things are campy and racist. Like vaudeville is like fifty percent <laughs> being campy while being racist.
0: The the um, film and this is
1: just party. that. You know,
0: the party starring. Uh, God, what's his name? Not Blake Edwards. Well, Blake Edwards directed it, but
1: oh, Peter Sellers.
0: Peter Sellers, yes. Oh yeah, no right. You're like and the whole time.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know. So it's sort of like, and in this case, I don't even think it's it's not it's not funny. It's like it's like not even giving me anything. But it's but what's interesting is that it's bad and it's camp. So this video includes camp at its best as well as camp at its worst.
1: It feels like a sketch on an old hip hop album where you're like, everybody in the room was having a lot of fun. I'm not necessarily having as much fun <laughs> listening to it. They thought it should oh still go on the album.
2: Thank you. Like, talk, yeah, hip hop album and sketches, definitely a mixed bag. And sometimes, sometimes, like, you're like, I really didn't need to know that. Sometimes you're like, well, they were certainly high. I I wish I was high right now, but I'm trying to <laughs> like, whatever the else it is, you know what I mean. Um
0: yeah one of the things i did note with all of these music videos and these performances was just these guys are clearly having a shit ton of fun yeah like it's like whatever's happening whatever's going on like this must have been like they just make it seem so jubilant to use my $5 mm-hmm. word for the day.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's a great description. And they would tell you that, like, that this was... It's really different from, like, artists who are, like, thinking of... Who are um, uh, who are approaching their work feeling, like, you know, cathartic pain in those ways, or, like, all the people... It's, like, very much the opposite of everything Nirvana ever did, you know? It's, like, just mm-hmm. coming from a completely different
1: place and desire. It's um... the opposite of the tortured artist trope, mm-hmm. where have mm-hmm. these geniuses who are having more fun than any of us will ever know in our lifetime yeah yeah
2: um well also completely like destroying like your bo- i mean to- destroying your body like all the physical stuff that guitar guys and drummers do like the repetitive motion problems that people develop later in life are really brutal The vocal problems people develop mm-hmm. it, it's ex- it's extremely hard on your body um I'm glad Dave was able to perform as well as he can even still now, especially at his age. He, they, he just put out a, a single, I don't know, this year or something like that, um, like self-published or whatever, but it's on Spotify, it's on YouTube and it's good. It's, it's, it's a nice song, you know, it, he sounds good because he knows how to sing for, he knows how to write and sing for what he can do now, which is not mm-hmm. the same as what he could do. then. Um, and it still sounds good and I enjoy it. And I'm like, I'm glad you can still like do it at all. Cause some people, I mean, Christ, like one of the greatest talents in music history, Brian Williams, Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys, cannot sing anymore. He just destroyed his voice and it's gone, you know? Um,
1: Yeah. Okay. Let me jump off Brian Wilson to talk about California girls real quick. Yes. yes. Uh, Because this and uh, Pretty Woman, you guys like. I, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was listening to California Girls and is it Carl who's singing backup on it? Mm-hmm. Yep, Carl, uh, Will, Carl, Carl Wilson himself sings backup vocal on California Girls. It kind of just makes me go, I, I it reminds me of a better version of this song. The video mm-hmm. is great video i really enjoy because again it's camp it's fun he's having so much fun with it and there's like a joke for literally every line in the song but as i'm listening to him like i i'm getting a little bit of beach boys and i would like a lot more beach boys well i was you when i first started like the first time
2: i saw this i was like it is so unnecessary to cover the Beach Boys because the Beach Boys are the sound of God and, like, why are you doing this? <laughs> but as I watched it, I, like, I you know, I wrote a whole essay about, like, why it's actually good and, like, into the video, which is its own insane campiness, like, mm-hmm. I think what the song offers is it's an extremely 80s version of it and the whole idea of wishing that they could all be California girls is such an 80s sentiment to have yes. and, like, and, you know, and so it's like a perfectly 80s, tinkling, delightful, synthy cover of the song, 80s to the max, so it's fun. It is not as good as the original, because the original includes that opening intro few bars that are based on Jesu, Ma- Man's Desire, like the most beautiful music of all time. It's obviously not that, but I definitely enjoy it, despite not being like the most stunning thing ever, you know. Um, I think you just have to look at it as being like, okay, take that thing, but make it as 80s as possible and still really, really fun.
1: Yeah, when I listen to pet sounds, I want to just like lie in a hammock and stare up at treetops and think about how beautiful the planet is. This song goes on in the background of a party.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: Always happy to meet other Beach Boys fans, though.
0: Yeah, you, you uh, yeah. guys have to school me on the Beach Boys because I know so little about the Beach Boys. <laughs>
1: Listen, listen to pet sounds and just like let everything else drift away.
0: I thought Little Saint Nick was about a tiny baby Santa Claus. (laughs) He
2: did, he did, he did not know it was about a car. Oh, that's so funny. I um, well, they yeah, I uh, I also thought that so. Like I don't know anything oh about cars, God. and I'm just kind of like, whatever, this must be some goyish stuff that I'm unaware of. <laughs> so that...
1: They sing a lot about I cars. I mean, we have you know? enough nonsense. It's not out of the ordinary to expect it. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, I think, like, you know, I, I, I the fact that Carl, Carl Wilson sung backup vocals on this cover, that Brian Wilson himself said it was good. Like I said in my essay, if if Brian Wilson says this is a good cover, who are we to say otherwise? You know. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I actually, yeah, but I don't think it's the best cover that the guys do. Like, I think their cover of "Where Have All the Good Times Gone" is like actually really quite quite interesting. Um, but I, but it's fun. I mean, they're not they're never not fun. Um, just a gigolo, like. I actually don't listen to much, but is the fact that he did it, it's in and of itself, is so campy and amazing. Like the fact that it exists.
1: I also enjoy like swing and big bands. So to me, I'm like, yes, more of this, ah. more of this noise, more of this horns. Um, so yeah, I always I didn't know that he hadn't written the song that it was like a standard but just the idea that david lee ross at this point of in, in his career was like this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna cover california girls and just a gigolo it's it's so unexpected i guess
2: it, i mean like how that's so fucking campy like mm-hmm. and it's a 100 percent. like this is not something that he was ever going to do with van halen right like the, van halen would have had not been doing that i don't know I mean they I don't know. So <laughs> I think it's it's you know they had a lot of albums together I think it's totally fine that they split when they did. Um mm-hmm. and I think it's cool that they've you know sometimes played together since and they got to do their own thing and you know music and artists and stuff change stars change you know like I I most bands aren't the rolling stones like the rolling stones that's like freakish like nobody else nobody Mm. else has done that that's not normal yeah like nobody else gets to retire from their band no well i mean that is starting to happen now david lee ross just announced he's retiring but that's because he's you know he's doing solo stuff Mm. but he's retiring from his solo stuff but yeah if you're curious you know that the new song he released and the other song he released during COVID are both they're both good Like, is it as good as the classics? Of course not. But do I enjoy them? I do. I do genuinely enjoy them. The two songs you put out during COVID are both enjoyable.
0: That's great. So uh, something I feel like came to my mind watching these music videos. These guys are hot. Yes. I have such a
2: crush on Eddie Van Halen now. Aw, that man wears a lot of crop tops in the early days. If you look at photos from before the MTV, even he's just like, I'm just gonna wear a crop top at all times. This is perfectly reasonable clothing to wear because I am a rock star.
0: It's it's wild. Like I I, I was like looking at looking at David Lee Roth doing his stuff, strutting around. Like in one of the music videos, he's wearing those silver pants, which is just, oh, I can see his religion.
2: that's an amazing
0: description it's all like these are the tightest tightest pants and yet somehow he's still doing you know huge high kicks and running around the stage you're just like you you look incredible you know this yeah and
2: well they are lycra you know lycra is the best the best fabric for moving around you know it's the science I, I, that enables it.
0: <laughs> and I do got to say, once Michael Anthony got the beard, then I was like, "Oh, you're hot too." Okay. I got no, it. it's
2: true. He needed the beard. He needed the beard. He, he my, my short cane Needed the beard. He did.
1: Michael um, Anthony. At one point, I think it was in the jump video. I was like, "He look. His clothes. Like everybody else is like or like like, and he's there in like a tracksuit. He looks like like your neighbor's dad who works out in his gym."
2: Oh my God! He probably also is. <laughs> or this is some anti-Italian stuff, and you're gonna have to take it all back.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, stop
2: with this anti-Italian bigotry. No, uh, but
1: what oh, was it? Italian oh, yeah. action—it's always funny.
2: Yes. Um, oh, but about them about about the the whole like being being you know hot thing. Like there were these were definitely guys who were you know pinups on people's walls, especially David Lee Roth, and one of the one of the the sites of tension on one of their later albums was um David hired a uh, fashion photographer Helmut uh, Newton to photograph the band um and, him and the band but like he didn't really communicate very well with the band about like what the goals of the photo shoot were and so the band was just like I don't really get this and so they, but there is a Helmet Newton photo of david lee roth with his hands changed raised above his head in a black and white like beautiful photo like looking at you with like a come hither gaze you know like shirtless and i'm just like he want david wanted that to be the cover of the album for women and children first that was <laughs> that was the album cover and the band was like how about we use a group shot and you know i'm sure he's just like guys if you had just been willing to get chained up to the wall with me this would have been a group shot." <laughs> but no but no um so and David is the one who had hired him. So David Lee Roth is hiring a, a, a Vogue fashion photographer who also shot for Playboy to like photograph him. Like it's, that's a sensibility.
0: It's just, it's such a smart move. Well, coming from my queer brain, it's such <laughs> a smart move in that it is showing off like his best assets. I found the picture. I brought it up on my phone and you know you get to see the expanse of his body he's got the body hair he's got the the played with hair he is chained up and it's fashion and it's rock and roll yeah 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 and i just
2: love helmet newton told him uh you are my favorite you are my new favorite blonde which is just <laughs> like what an amazing what an amazing thing to say to your rock star i just I wish the other band had decided to really throw down for the session and like take off their shirts and like also be chained to a various fence because they could have been a part of that moment, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, and then mean, we were- they're all hot.
2: <laughs> I know it's a guys, come on. Um, yeah. You know, but they, they did make, but they've made some really exciting fashion choices, but I like, guess, especially as you know, like, especially Eddie and his like predilection for crop tops, which I just think is hilarious and amazing.
1: And every I time he it. smiles at the camera, he he feels like he's saying, Can you believe I get to do this? Like he's not a genius. Yeah.
2: yeah. He's like, Wow, this is sure great. It's true. Um No, they they're they're having they're living their best life, they're having the best time. And they definitely they don't like there definitely was like bitterness in the split, but they're definitely mm-hmm. not people who talk about that with each other anymore, you know. Um And, uh, you know, I mean, everybody has been going and interviewing everybody about them ever since Eddie died this past year. Um, It's been sort of a strange moment. I hope that we don't have so many deaths in the short term. But this also was the only time where people actually started talking about, like, hey, guys, like Van Halen Brothers are API." It was like the yeah. this was like this was the time that it happened, partially because Eddie's son is like the one who's who's also a musician, like we'll just straight up go and like want to talk about that. It feels like it's a generational difference sort of where like maybe they felt like it made them outsiders and, and strange and their kid who's like, you know, more like our generation is
1: like, I think this is important for people to know. The yeah. rest is good. <laughs> Um, and it gives a link to so many more people to a, a scene that they might not otherwise be able to or feel like they could get a foothold in.
2: Now, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. To be clear, I'm a white person. I'm Jewish, I'm queer, I'm a white person. Um, metal bands, tons and tons and tons of metal bands, have a member or two who is a person of color. There are not a ton of famous metal bands where the entire band are people of color. And I think that one of the reasons that people don't really think so much about how metal is full of people of color is because there isn't, there aren't a lot of bands who are like, Oh, that's this band. And like everybody in this band is like Chicano. Like there Mm -hmm. are bands like that, but like more often there's a band that has like one member who's Chicano. And like, you know, like it, it, you know what I mean? Like there's racial diversity and it's just, it's sprinkled throughout bands. And I think, because it's not like, you know, it's not
1: like,
2: exactly, because, you know, because it's not like everybody's like, like the punk band, like those crudos who are like hi, or like a Chicano punk band. Like people are just kind of like, they don't really quite understand or notice it. You know what I mean? Um, there's tons of, of like huge rock stars and of from metal grunge from metal and grunge and stuff, especially that are like people of color.
0: So... I mean, th- this is this is the kind of stuff that, like, I'm I'm so thankful is coming more to the forefront in our conversations, mm. in everyday life. Of yeah, why aren't we celebrating these things? Why aren't we, like, all the stories we're hearing more and more of? Oh, you know, this these people were actually involved in this. You know, these things were invented by the black community. These things were invented by people of color. Uh, or created or drawn or, you know, and and this, this kind of stuff is, is great. It's a celebration of our past and an acknowledgement that, Hey, guess what? Turns out the past wasn't white. Like everyone made it out to be forever.
1: Yeah. Especially when we're talking about rock music.
2: Yeah. Especially I I would really recommend anybody who wants to understand rock music history and listens to podcasts, please stop what you're doing after you listen to this podcast, finish this podcast. And then after this, Um, there's a podcast called a history of rock and roll in 500 songs by Andrew Hickey. And mm-hmm. if you want, I know rock music really well, as you could probably gather. I, I have my jaw on the floor with things that he points out continually. It goes back to the very beginning of rock music. Like the first episode is about Benny Goodman orchestra. Okay. Like they don't hit the Beatles until episode hundred. Like you need to understand this. There's so much stuff that happens before that. And um he through through the whole history is he is talking about it through the lens of race and class and gender talking yes. about queerness and through the history of America and eventually the history of England and it is so much more rich and intelligent and insightful and inclusive and it'll just really knock your socks off um, and it's go go and listen to it it's a history of rock and roll in 500 songs. I have so many playlists of like ancient black R and B artists that I was unaware of now than I had before. I'm a pretty clued in person. Like, been an obsessive Chuck Berry fan for forever, and I'm still just like, oh, I didn't know about this guy. Let me go write it down. You know?
0: Yeah. Or no, this I mean,
2: or all that.
0: This this is the kind of stuff that I yeah. I love that opening these doors like last year i got big into uh cocaine and rhinestones and it's the same kind of thing of of mm -hmm. just like oh these deep dives it's doing it the the richness like i was i was big into country music before that and now like this is that was my foothold i'm i'm starting to get into it. i'm starting to enjoy all these different country artists because it's it's so much more for me than just the like here's a song done like I like knowing mm-hmm. the background I like knowing like what was the intention how was the reception right and where the story goes from there because it's it's part of our story
2: yes so much of American history and British history and Canadian history is all told through understanding that music I mean one of the things I've been thinking of right now vis-a-vis Canada with what you're dealing with like the right wing you know <laughs> terrorism takeover is like you know there's so much cultural and musical exchange between america and canada like you know i mean like what a moment to be talking about the importance of neil young and like joni mitchell like they're canadian you know artists who americans think of us being our own you know um oh 100 like, yeah yeah
0: um, no, we're we're always here for CanCon, and it's it's just such a shame that a lot of Canadians don't know their own content as well. Like, there's so many people who are unaware of who in popular culture, who in in the history of music and general history is Canadian, and how it has affected us and changed our landscape.
2: Can I just say, and I sorry. met in film class. <laughs> Can I just say my favorite random Canadian thing was we were re re watching Videodrome, the Cronenberg movie.
0: Mm -hmm. Love it, love it, love it.
2: (laughs) And the villain's speech, where he's talking about taking over the world, he's like saying, and of course, this will be extremely important for when we take over North America. And And I realized to myself, like, oh my God, if this movie had been made by someone who was from the US, he would have said America. But because it's made by Canadian, he said North America. And like, Mm -hmm. it was such a specific thing because no American writer would have said, North America. We would have oh, my mom gets
1: so America. bad when people refer to the U.S. as America, or when people refer to it as America, because she's like, well, Rich. you know, there are multiple Americas.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I just love that about him. I'm like, yeah, you tell him, North America, you guys are going to have your terrible world global domination thing, and about North America. Uh, I love you so much. <laughs> I, I love how terrified you are of penises and assholes and you make a- <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: I mean, if I'm you've sure been watching... Episodes, I was like, Sam, that looks like something else. <laughs> <laughs> if you've
0: been watching uh, Star Trek Discovery, David Cronenberg is a regular cast member who pops up every once in a while.
2: Yeah, I need to start watching it because of that. But I, I I mean, I also know that there's like non-binary characters canonical as opposed to the usual where like mm-hmm. it's canonical, yeah. but the show won't actually call it that. Um, no. But yeah, no, I, I gotta get back into watching Discovery and Cronenberg um, being in the cast is like a beautiful thing.
0: Oh, he's he is terrifying, and still at the same time, you're like, but you're a really good guy. Oh, Cronenberg, I don't know how you do this, but you do it. It's great. I I worked on the show for so
2: Oh you worked on Discovery. Yeah, I love hearing all of your like TV credits and stuff.
0: It's wild. It's those sets are incredible. And then to think, oh, this is all wood.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Truly It's a proud history of sets having something a little off with them on Star Trek. Well, you're not cutting the corners off like Battlestar, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Where they, uh, you know, a couple seasons and they're like, this is actually a lot more work. <laughs> yeah.
0: The last thing that we do before we uh, do our sign-off spiel is, uh, well, the big question of the show itself. So starting with you, uh, is Van Halen and David Lee Roth camp?
2: So David Lee Roth is camp from head to toe and Van Halen with David Lee Roth is camp. And then Van Halen without David Lee Roth ceases to be camp. That is my analysis of it. And the fact that like something can be musically genius, change the pub, the way artists understand and play an instrument and also be camp is this amazing breaking of the boundaries between you know professional technical mastery which is a thing that is very much gendered as being a macho skill hyper masculine competence and then camp which is gendered as being feminine and therefore unserious like these are things that are always regarded as being opposed to each other and van halen really demonstrates how they are not opposed to each other and how much excitement the combination of them together can bring um you know i'm a huge aficionado of what i call to refer to as like butch camp you know like the the other topic (laughs) i thought about talking about was potentially like Danzig and the misfits but like i think that like there's absolutely a layer of butch camp around some of this stuff but then there's also just straight up like camp camp with like rape reveals and um (laughs) I, and I think you know like once David Lee Roth leaves Van Halen they, they continue to make extremely competent music with talented people, but it ceased to be campy and it's therefore it ceased to be as interesting, although you know I can still enjoy the song Pound Cake as much as the next dude um, <laughs> it, it does not have my heart in the same way that these you know these artists working together have done
0: yeah, i I would very much have to agree with it what i what I saw of david lee roth and van halen that you got me started on and which i am definitely going to continue with uh, and it, it, it was camp it was lycra it was drag it was uh, guys being so pretty <laughs> that they're but still essentially masculine at the same time it's it shouldn't work, and it does, and that means it can be replicated. It can be done again, and why aren't mm. we doing it? <laughs> hear, the
1: hear. exact same conclusion I came to as well. Like This is delightful. I, I want more of this. I'm going to listen to more of this, and I'm going to enjoy it so much, and I never would have found this without being directed to it.
2: I am so grateful to hear that. Thank you, you guys. It means so much to me to be able to to like bring music that is perceived as being like for straight dudes to queer spaces and show all the ways in which it's really not that straight. And um, it, it really, I, that's
1: like what I want from life. So thank you for helping me <laughs> platform <to> do so, <laughs> you know? So thank you for joining us today on our exploration of Van Halen and David Lee Roth. Please subscribe on your podcaster of choice. Leave a star rating and review where you can, because it always helps us to find new people who may not know what their camp favorite is.
0: Yes. And next week, we will be getting into a new themed month. Uh, we seem to have accidentally gone through guest star theme month that, <laughs> that we didn't intend to. Uh, our new theme month is uh, the Mystery Zone. It's films, that's, it's films and properties that Sarah and I have zero uh, interaction with. Neither of us Ooh. have seen these. But we have put them on the list because it sounds camp. So your guess is as good as ours this time. Uh, we will be starting with Mannequin. Yeah. Oh, that- wow. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, Sarah and I normally say at this point what our history is with it. I just know it for Kim Cattrall. She mm-hmm. plays And today's... We love special- her.
2: Sorry, yeah. I'm like chiming in in the middle of your exit. Oh, no,
0: like, I'm
2: excited to hear what you have to think about mannequin. I um, I haven't looked at it for a million years, and I suspect I suspect that it's camp, but let's find out.
0: That's the Isn't
1: point. She, like, I believe she's supposed to be an ancient Egyptian in it, or something like an ancient Egyptian mannequin. I'm excited for this. All I know are big-
0: <laughs> what.
1: <laughs> yeah I picked up through the years, and also there's a fashion show. It sounds great.
0: Perfect. Um,
1: Oh, should I do like a sign-off of like where to find my stuff? or? Yes, you please. What would you like to plug?
2: So um, I'm at Graphic Policy Radio. We are on every podcast platform. My various sub-podcasts are also like Deep Space Dive. They'll That is also under Graphic Policy because I have not made a separate RSS feed. Um, you can find me on Twitter a little bit too much at E-L-A-N-A underscore Brooklyn. That's E-L-A-N-A with an E underscore Brooklyn. Uh, And that's a great way to reach out to me about any of these things we've talked about, including my music essays. And um, you'll get your Peacemaker playlist definitely uh, coming out real soon, too, if you want to get excited about music in that milieu.
0: I'm sure by the time this episode drops, the list will have already been uploaded. So, Hmm. yeah, we we take a little while.
1: Not six months, six weeks. Six, weeks. six months? Oh, okay.
0: No, 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 no.
1: We have to gestate first. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, I forgot. Did you uh, drop your half of the plugs?
0: Yeah. Uh, you can continue the discussion of Van Halen and David Lee Roth or Mannequin if you like, or even Ilana because she has been a dope guest. I am at uh, Reese Indigo, R-H-Y-S, spelt the Welsh way.
1: And I am at Sour Citrus Lady. You can follow the pod on at Is It Camp Pod. Until next week, wait an hour before swimming, watch out for snakes, and stay camp. Ta-ra!